Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 19. Today, we are speaking with Hilda Labrada Gore, also known as Holistic Hilda, who is the host of another podcast called Wise Traditions, which is founded by the Weston A. Price Foundation. She is an incredible resource. She is a mother with grown children, and she talks about the wise traditions that she has learned throughout her time as a mother. So it's an amazing episode. I, Before we start the interview, I would love to give a shout out to our reviewer of the week. And our reviewer is XRGD, and she says, love it. I love this podcast. As a mom of one and a future doula, I love hearing different stories. I also love to tell friends about birth stories that are positive. So thank you so much. If you will email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you your happy home birth sticker. If you guys will continue sending your screenshots whenever you listen to an episode, screenshot it and post it on your Instagram stories, tag at Happy Home Birth Podcast. I will be sure to, to post you in mine. I also want to take this time to thank our sponsors. We have Stephanie Sibio's Glowing Mama to Be course. And guys, I started doing this course in my third trimester and it is incredible. It has nutrition plans. It has an exercise plan for each week of your pregnancy. Starts at six weeks, goes all the way up to birth. You can purchase it all together or per trimester. So I'm doing the third trimester right now. I love it because it's an intense workout, but you can scale it down to whatever level you are at. So to check that out, you can go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash glowing mama course, and you will be able to sign up for any of Steph's courses there. Happy Home Birth Podcast listeners get a 15% discount with the code happyhomebirth15. So be sure to add that. I'd also like to thank our second sponsor, Hatched at Home Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, who is a licensed midwife CPM of 12 years, offering home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. Carrie provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama-baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama-baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. She also offers extras like beautiful belly binding, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. The great thing about Carrie is that she offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth. So you can visit her at the website hatchedathome.com or on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, and that's L-A-C-H-A-P-E-L-L-E, or just get in touch with her directly at 864-907-6363. Thank you so much to both of our sponsors, and if you would like to sponsor an episode, just shoot me an email at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com. That's how you can get in touch with me if you would like an interview as well. As we head into this incredible interview, remember that views expressed by guests are solely theirs, and also views expressed by both guests and me are not medical. This is a community show, so this does not count as your trip to the doctor or if you are more like me, your trip to the chiropractor. So keep that in mind, and let's head over and talk to Hilda. Hilda, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm so glad you invited me, Caitlin. I'm super excited. 
Good. Well, I would love for you to just start by introducing yourself to the listeners and tell us about your family and what you do. I'm kind of known as Holistic Hilda. I am a health coach and a podcast coach, actually. Um, All my life, I've been interested in wellness and movement, and I'll get into my own birth story later (laughs) because actually it's super intriguing. But I will start by just also telling you I have four children. They're actually young adults now. I raised them in D.C., and I have a wonderful husband who's an athletic director. So all together, we are just one big happy family. We still hang out together. A couple of the kids still live at home. So it's just a joy to be raising my family in this day and age with all of the conveniences of connecting like this and sharing our message with other moms. I'm very excited to be on the show. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. And I I love just hearing you talk about motherhood. It, It absolutely radiates out of you. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. It's such a joy. And guess what? Everybody who's listening who has very young kids or is a mom to be, your children later become your friends. And it's just an incredible joy. I love it so much. I can't believe it. Oh, that's so wonderful. Now, Hilda, I know that you had all of your children naturally in the hospital. So this was back, you said, in the late 80s and early 90s. What made you decide to go natural at that time? Because that was not nearly as common as this kind of resurgence of natural childbirth has been. Well, I think I'll actually start with my birth story that probably informed what I decided to do. My mom, when she was pregnant with me, went to the hospital because my older sister, who was two or three at the time, had double pneumonia. So when my mom was there by her side, my sister had a roommate in her hospital room who had the German measles. And so my mom got exposed to the German measles. And when you're pregnant and that happens, your baby, even today, is going to be born with some kind of birth defect. And the doctors actually thought it would be pretty serious, like I would be born blind or unable to hear or speak. And I was born with a birth defect, but it was only a small hole between the lower two ventricles of my heart. So it was a hole in my heart, basically. And the doctors repaired it by open heart surgery when I was nine years old. But all this to say, I had a very shaky start because from zero to nine, they told me, don't be too active. We don't know how this will affect the hole. They're always monitoring me to see if it was going to get bigger and all this. So I was kind of, you know, scared to move too much a little bit and kind of a a shy kid. But then once they did the surgery, they were like, you can do whatever you want. I was just like, okay, I'm in this all in. And not only do I want to have fun, but I want to help other people actually really take care of their bodies because they're fragile, you know? So I think that kind of led me into becoming a fitness professional and all the things that I do today. But to get back to your question, like, why did I want to have a natural childbirth? I think almost because I had so much time in the hospital growing up. It's like, I want to do things as naturally as possible. And I already had an idea, like we should be eating real whole foods, you know, and all that. And so there wasn't a lot going on, but I heard about the Bradley childbirth method. Uh And I was like, well, that sounds kind of good. And the training indeed was everything I hoped for. They talked about, you know, avoiding the cascading interventions in the hospital and kind of taking control over the birth experience. And I was really excited about it and happily I was able to do it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's so incredible to hear at that time. I mean, I was born in the early nineties and you know, my mom had a C-section. She'd had a C-section with her first. And so she just, you know, it was, it was really the opposite experience for our family. So that's been a, that was actually why I decided that I wanted to do things naturally, but I love hearing your story. That's so interesting. 
yeah, well, let me tell you, I'm a very small person. And when I walked into the hospital, I had gained over 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it was all baby weight, I'm sure. Um, and it was all in front. But anyway, I walked in and the doctor was eyeing me. And she didn't say anything till later. But she told me I was thinking C-section because oh. you can imagine I have a very narrow pelvis. And uh, she was certainly wondering if I could do it. But I did have a doula in training there. Like I had a friend who was there to support me. So even if my husband and I had suddenly gotten afraid and thought, oh no, we need to get interventions. She was there totally making us, you know, feel reassured, massaging my back, giving me ice chips, whatever. Because from the moment I walked into the hospital, I was like, I don't want an IV (laughs) because I didn't want the convenience of that. You know, I was like, just give me ice chips. I'll stay hydrated. And um, it was a powerful experience. So once I had that first one, my first baby, by the way, weighed 9.15. So I pushed her out. And then um, with all my subsequent kids, they all got a little bit smaller, but they were all over nine pounds. I can't believe it. (laughs) That's amazing. I, you know what? I love those big babies. They're just, (laughs) oh, they're, they're so substantial. Like you're not nearly as worried about what's going to happen. No, they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that's so amazing. So, well, you kind of already alluded to this, but I know that nutrition is a huge aspect of your life at this point, but, and movement as well, you said, but at that time, was that as large of a pillar during your childbearing years? That's a really great question. I, um, I don't think I understood what I understand today as a member, chapter leader and podcast host for the Wise Traditions podcast. But I did know, like I said, that I wanted whole real food. So I did the best I could. And I do want to tell the moms listening right now, you guys don't should on yourself. (laughs) You know, don't look back and say, oh, I should have had this or I should have avoided that. All we can do is move forward from this point in time. So I honestly did the best I could. I'm sure I was eating, you know, power bars because I was a fitness professional. That's one thing I kept doing through my pregnancies. I was always moving, which was probably good, you know, but when I would feel my blood sugar dip, I would just grab a power bar or, you know, have a, let's say a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I wasn't doing it all perfectly well, but I don't think any of us do. So I don't look back with too much regret. You know, I probably, there are a few things I would change, but I would say, I knew it mattered. I did the best I could. And I just kept moving as well. So those two things, the movement and the food to the degree I was keeping in living according to wise traditions, you know, um, helped make my babies happy and healthy. Oh, I love that. I I love the emphasis that you put on not shooting on yourself. That's a great (laughs) phrase. (laughs) Well, I didn't coin it myself. Henry Nowen did. But I just think it's fantastic because we all have a tendency to do that. And especially as moms. Oh, my goodness. Don't be sure. Oh, yeah. It's so, I mean, it's just so easy to, to be able to look in hindsight and think, oh, well, this would have been better and this could have been better. And, but you don't know. So my next question, I know that the Weston A. Price Foundation, which you are so deeply involved with, focuses a great deal on nutrition, not only during pregnancy, but even before conception. And I feel like that really, truly gets overlooked so much in our current culture. Would you mind explaining this and maybe give some examples of what we could be doing no matter where we are in the process to improve the health of ourselves as well as our little ones? That's a great question, Caitlin. This is the first thing. I think um, people need to know that it takes time for our bodies to transition from um how can I say, if you've been on birth control or some method of, you know, avoiding pregnancy, you can't expect to get off the pill 
and get pregnant right away. Um, and as a matter of fact, your body will need time to get rid of some of those hormones that those pills have been artificially giving you. So I would say to prepare for pregnancy, um, this is a, t a trendy word, but I, I wanted to say detox. But what I mean by that is just kind of start shedding little by little the things you can that you know aren't favorable to good health because your body needs to have the signal that you're in abundance and you're able to bear. And what I mean by abundance is don't have a scarcity mentality. So number one, avoid dieting. And so it's not a time to think, oh, I want to want to be in the best shape of my life before I have a baby. You know, don't um, avoid fat, for example. You know, the wise traditions diet, we're all about it. good, healthy, ancestral fats, traditional fats like butter and lard and ghee and tallow. So embrace those things. Let your body know we've got what we need to produce a healthy baby. And then I would also say detox in terms of your environment, you know, get rid of uh, little air fresheners or maybe even perfumes or creams that you've been using that are just over the counter and full of chemicals you can't pronounce because these things, again, are getting into your body, into your, through your skin, and they're being absorbed by all your cells. So you really want to avoid having those toxins interfere with the fertility and your good health. The other thing you can do, so I'm saying shed a couple things, right? Shed that dieting mentality, shed things that are damaging your environment, but take on and embrace really good foods. And I don't just mean like I don't mean tofu or <laughs> things that are touted as superfoods like kale or, um, you know, even kombucha. I mean, like embrace real fats, nutrient dense foods like kale is great. Don't get me wrong. But a real superfood is probably liver. You know, we're talking right. about organ meats that are super dense in nutrients like iron and the B vitamins. And again, this signals to your body like, oh, we're ready for something to happen because we've got all the nutrition we need. And. I just remember even before pregnancy, sometimes they say, hey, go ahead and start taking these vitamin pills, these pregnancy prenatal vitamins, you know, and of course, take those for the duration of your pregnancy. I'm not a doctor, so definitely, you know, check in with your health professionals. But I would say look to get those nutrients from your food. You know, vitamin A and vitamin D are readily available from butter and vitamin K as well from cheese. Um, of course, in the foundation, we advocate raw cheese and raw milk and uh, fish, of course, are good sources of these things as well as omega-3. So, you know, embrace what's natural. And also, moms, I know you guys are good at this. But let me just throw this out there right now. Trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, trust that you and your body know what's needed. And don't live in a place of fear. Um, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll just bring it in right now. Like, I feel like it's easy to get concerned, like, oh, my gosh, should I be having coffee? Should I have wine? You know, should I um, do this or that? You know, start getting anxious. That anxiety is another way. Um, it's another something you need to detox from your body to, again, let your body know and let the baby know this is a safe, peaceful place for you to come. So I really want to encourage you to consider that environment, not just your home environment, you know, what cleaners am I using? Again, what air fresheners or creams am I putting on my skin? But think about what is your emotional and spiritual state to have a baby? I know someone who um, was trying to do a lot of things right, but she was actually harboring a lot of bitterness during her pregnancy. We talked about it, but she was angry. She wasn't happy about the timing. And her baby was born with a lot of issues. And I'm not saying this to scare you, but just to say, 
it, it could have been anything. It could have been the toxins at the hospital or, you know, this or that sure, that caused your sure. child to have issues. But I was always like, wow, in a way, this doesn't surprise me because the mom was so mad, you know, mm-hmm. she was so mad. And so I would encourage the listeners to look for um, techniques or practices that you can incorporate in your life now uh, so that your body, again, knows it's a peaceful, happy environment, a safe environment for the baby. And guess what? That's going to help you, too. For me, this includes uh, prayer time in the morning, you know, some singing, some getting out in the sunshine, kind of setting my circadian rhythm. Uh, I go to church on a weekly basis because it renews my spirit. It reminds me about hope, peace, and love, and joy. And those are things I want to hold on to because that's how I want to nurture my family as well. It's not just the food. You know, it's kind of the whole shebang. I think this is why I'm called Holistic Hilda because I know there's a lot of pieces to the wellness puzzle. Earlier, you mentioned once you you get rid of the birth control, you know, there are hormones that have to to leave your body. And so it's kind of the same with with natural hormones that we're producing. You know, there are some that we want to have in abundance, like oxytocin. Yet at the same time, we want to try to get rid of some of the more stressful hormones in our lives to allow that safe nurturing space for our baby. Yeah. And I'm thinking probably a lot of your listeners have many kids and they're like, oh, my gosh, how can I get rid of stress when I have two toddlers? You know, you guys, I had my four kids in five years, so I can understand. I understand. I didn't know anything about child spacing, by the way. Right. And, uh, we were just on a roll. And I was also one of those moms who was like, I don't want to have a kid in high school and one in pre-K. I was like, no, that's not going to be it. So we just went on a roll. But so life is stressful and busy. So feel free to let go of some things. It's okay to say no. Like, I wish I had known that. I was always trying to say yes and be on the PTA, you know what I mean, and and help out at the preschool at the church or whatever. And it's like, you, know, you can say no to some things. And the same rituals that bring comfort and peace to your kids, like a couple of bedtime stories, the bath before bed or whatever, are rituals that you can enjoy. Like, turn off your device, you know, and, and two hours before bed yourself and consider this as some self-care time. And I just feel like I was burning the candle at all ends, not just both ends, you know, mm-hmm. and it was to my detriment, to my health detriment. I was probably more stressed with my kids. Who knows? But so I can't go back, but I can advise you to go ahead and make some of those peaceful changes that will help you have more balance and prepare your body for conception. The other thing I can tell you is that um, in every culture that Dr. Price visited, and he was the one that we've named the foundation after, the West Denny Price Foundation. He went around the world to find the healthiest peoples. And in every culture, they had preconception foods and special ways that they helped the couples prepare for pregnancy. This is so cool. It wasn't just for the women, by the way. It was for the men, too. So that's something to think about. But they had foods like fish eggs that they would go to great lengths to get. You know, even if the family lived in a village, let's say up in the mountains, they would try to make trades with the people by the coast so that they could get those fish eggs and they would set them aside and make sure to give them to women in the childbearing years and probably the men too, like I was saying. So that was one. And I think also a lot of seafood. And I know some people are also scared of seafood now. They're like, oh, they're plastic in the ocean or mercury. Um, Again, I think the risk of that bothering your body is less than the benefit you're going to get. In other words, you always have to weigh the the risk versus the benefits, right? I think it's worth it. Uh, But again, you need to do your own investigation and take control as your listeners are going to do. Obviously, they want to have control of the birth experience. They can also have control over how they prepare their bodies for pregnancy. But those are some suggestions I would make. 
I think that's a great idea. And and also in relation to finding those foods, I think a really key factor of that is is finding good sources for those foods. Well, this is a good time for me to mention the Weston A. Price Foundation has chapters all around the world. And these chapters, you don't have to like pay dues or do something special. You just contact the chapter leader in your area. You can literally go to their website, westonaprice.org, just click on click on find a chapter and you ask the chapter leader, what are your sources for food? And that is the only role of the chapter leader. Some chapters have meetings, they have potlucks, they have outings to farms, and that's great. But the only thing we really ask of them is that they would have a list of resources, everything from farmer's markets to uh, farms that drop off in the area and have deliveries. So they will help you find the best source of food I get for my family. And I've been doing this for years, food from Pennsylvania, which is not too far from DC. And it's the most wonderful eggs and meat and milk and yogurt and cheese that we've ever had in our lives. And it's like, we feel so blessed and yes, nourished because of that. So do find sources of good food and feel free to use the westonaprice.org website as a resource. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you for that plug. Uh, it's funny you mention where you're getting your food from. I get my eggs every Wednesday night at church. I have a, <laughs> I have an egg lady. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Talk about local. Are they from oh, yeah. her own chickens? They, well, they're actually her neighbor's chickens, but she does a lot of the helping with her neighbors. So she's got an in, and I've got an in with her. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So Hilda, at this point, I would love to hear about your actual birth experiences. Wow. <laughs> um, I will tell, let me think, because I have four, I have to pick. Um, sure. Well, my first one was amazing. And again, you guys, I used the Bradley method. So I knew I didn't want the interventions, as I said earlier. And so what I really worked on was simply relaxing my jaw and um, I had my husband actually quote scripture to me to relax me. And so when I got in the hospital and the contractions started really hurting as they do when they start intensifying toward the end of the labor, he would just keep quoting a verse. We just picked one verse to keep it easy. And he would like quote, you know, Isaiah 41:10 or whatever. He would just quote one verse over and over. And at one of the births, actually the nurse was like, oh my gosh, it was like he was giving you drugs. Oh. And it was like so wild that they could see how relaxed I was and how it really encouraged me. Now, that's what worked for me. But whatever that you can do that will help your body, again, just let the pain kind of wash over you, almost like waves in the ocean. I think our tendency when we experience pain, as you know, is to kind of cringe and tighten up, you know. Even think about our reactions to the cold sometimes. You know, you kind of hunker down and hunch your shoulders and, and tense everything up. But the real idea is to open up and embrace it, let it wash over you. It has its purpose. And remember that it's only temporary. So it really helped me when my husband quoted scripture. And then another funny story I could tell you real quick is that this nurse, this was with the second one. But so he's doing the same thing. He's quoting scripture. And that was his only job. So sometimes I'd bark out, you know, louder, louder. <laughs> Help me out here. Give me, you know, throw me a bone. So he would like pray and he'd quote scripture. And one of the nurses at one point was like, when my husband was like, God is with you, she's like, he's with you. And I was like, how does she know? Why is she chiming in? <laughs> it was so funny. I was kind of like, what the heck? And later she said that her mom had like eight kids and she was like a person of faith too. So it was just kind of wild. So you can see there's this mix of, you know, kind of a spiritual experience and relaxation and the babies came and it was just a beautiful thing. Now, I will tell you with my last two pregnancies, I did have some preterm labor, and I don't know if it was because I was a fitness person or maybe I had some kind of deficiency. I don't know, but um, 
the doctors told me with my third pregnancy that I actually needed to be on bed rest, which for a person who's as active as me, that was so hard. And I was like, what? And again, you know, I have my natural mindset, right? But they gave me some little pill. I think it was tributylene. I was supposed to take like every day or once a week. And I just did it because I didn't want to have the baby early, you know? And again, it's one of those things where I could shut on myself like, oh, I should have investigated. Well, I didn't. And that, I just did it. Maybe I was afraid, but I was like, okay, I want to have this baby. So I followed their instructions and it was a compromise I made. But my baby was born on time so that when I had preterm labor with the fourth kid, the doctor's like, okay, you can just limit your activity, but you don't need to do bed rest. Um, but I think these things factored into why we had four kids instead of seven, because I was like, okay, um, my body's telling me something. Something's not quite working right here. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that there is there are these modern things we can turn to. And I'm telling this to the person who's like, I'm going natural all the way. Nothing's going to stop me because I have a friend, you guys, who had that same mindset. She's a beautiful person in this health and wellness space, and her story is her own, so I'm not going to use her name. I'll just call her Melanie. But Melanie was, like, all down with this. Her first kid, she was so excited. She was doing everything, you know, quote, unquote, right, like eating super foods and super nutrient dense, and she was ready to go. And her baby didn't come on the expected due date, but she's like, I don't care. It's the baby's time, not our time, which I actually really agree with, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, and then it was like two weeks. And I think on a doctor's visit, they're like, the heart rate it seems to be going down or there was something of concern. And so she had it all planned out, you guys, but she didn't get to have you know, the healthy home birth she saw, thought she wanted to have. She had to go to the hospital. They Maybe she had a C-section. I don't remember the whole full story, except that they really saved the baby's life because he pretty much did have the cord wrapped around his neck. And so, you know, I don't want anyone to think, oh, my gosh, that was a failure. I know my friend doesn't think that. You know what I mean? Because we have to do the best we can under the circumstances in which we find us. And we can have control over some things, like I said, but we're not going to have control over everything. And we also need to know when we need to say, okay, this isn't happening this way for whatever reason, and we have to punt, you know? Right. And I know my friend is glad that she punted because she has her little baby boy now. And so do not feel bad if for some reason you feel like you have to compromise. Wait, I didn't have the music playing or, you know, I didn't have to have the tub birth. Well, it's okay because that baby, the main thing is that the baby arrives and you're going to love on it and we're all just doing the best we can. So that is a great point, Hilda. I think that sometimes we can become so dogmatic in our view that we are unable to kind of pay attention to the situation and see what's going on and see that there is a need for change. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I think we all have a tendency when we find something that we love, like we just are wanting to defend our cubs and wanting to do it all right. But sometimes you have to be like, you know what? I'm just going to do it this way because it's what's working right now. And I remember I have a funny little story. This is going to totally out me, but whatever. <laughs> I love just bearing all on these podcasts. But anyway, so I used to, when my kids were toddlers and stuff, because remember I had a bunch in a row, I would sometimes bathe them at night. And then I would just put on their clothes for the next day instead of a pajama, which my mother-in-law was like raising her eyebrows at me. I'm like, but this so works for me because in the morning, you guys, we would wake up and we'd be ready to go. Like I would feed them breakfast and it was all good. But she thought I was crazy. But I was like, look, they're not getting dirty. They're just laying there. So maybe that's a tip somebody's going to want to incorporate. Who knows? But again, you just do the best you can with your circumstance and don't shit on yourself, like I said earlier. I love that. That's such a great tip. I'm <laughs> 
it's funny you say that your your mother-in-law was like, what? Because in my situation, it's more of, I don't give my child a bath every day. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, she's going to be so dirty. I'm like, no, no, mom. It's so good for her. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Caitlin, because there used to be the mentality of, you know, our babies are born in this sterile environment and they need everything clean and as germ-free as possible. I really disagree with that. Um, I really know that, I mean, people were having their babies in huts in Kenya, you know what I mean? Like people all over the world, indigenous people had their babies in their homes, which is amazing, number one. But number two, all the family members would come around. There wasn't this, oh, for six weeks, I have to stay inside my house. Like that's just, I think that's wrong-headed thinking. I think we should be free to let our kids get dirty, let them play, let them be exposed to germs. It's only going to make them stronger. It, that's how it's supposed to work. And so I'm glad you mentioned that because I was really thinking that was one thing I wanted to say is let your kid get out in the sunshine. I don't care what part of the world you're living in right now when you're listening to this podcast. It's a wise tradition to let your child be exposed to the ambient temperature. So put that little hat on, get them bundled up, however you want to do it, but take them outside every day. It's good for your sanity too. And you know, I was even thinking about the wise tradition. I think in some Nordic countries, they will literally put the baby in a pram or a baby carriage and let the baby nap outside for several hours in the cold. They do this because it strengthens the baby's system. It kind of sets their circadian rhythm. You know how parents get upset like, oh, my baby's on the opposite schedule. He's awake during the night and asleep during the day. Well, if you gave them more exposure to sunlight and the natural you know, world, they probably could switch better. So this is just a little tip for people to consider. Not only will it help you know, make their environment more microbe diverse, but it will also probably set their circadian rhythm in a way that's going to be really positive for you all. That's so neat that they do that. And I love hearing all of the wise traditions, you know, all of the different things that these cultures have learned over time to do for their children to create the hardiest, healthiest babies that they can possibly have. I know. It blows my mind. It blows my mind when I learn about things. I was recently on a cold adaptation retreat in Minnesota. So fun. And when I was there, they were talking about how the Native Americans from that part of the country would actually dip their infants in really cold, freezing water in the river or in the lake. And they would do it many times. And it built their immune system and it kind of stimulated their mitochondria and it did all these amazing things for them. And then when Western settlers came in, they told them to stop doing it because it was barbaric. But those Native Americans knew exactly what they were doing. I'm not saying you guys need to do this right now, but right. by getting your kid outside and letting them toss off a little jacket, if your toddler's hot, let them do it. You're the one that's afraid and they're the one that knows what their body needs in that case. So super, super fascinating. And if people want to check it out, I've had several podcasts about cold adaptation and also about the kind of diet you should be eating as a mom who hopes to conceive or when you're pregnant. So there is, these are resources I just want to put out there. Perfect. Thank you so much. And it's so funny whenever you talk about the, you know, oh, if your toddler wants to take your jacket off. Yes. My daughter's favorite saying is don't zip it up, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. I will not zip it up. Do not worry. <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. And if we can remember shoes, then that's great. But if not, that'll be okay too. Exactly. <laughs> 
So Hilda, as we're coming to the end of the show, I would love to hear your last thoughts and recommendations. You're such a wealth of knowledge. So what more can you pour onto my audience? Well, I think we need to think about not just what we're putting in our bodies in terms of food, but also there are two other factors I want people to consider. What we're putting on on our bodies in terms of light, because that really impacts how our pineal gland perceives what's going on in the world around us. In other words, we get messages from the artificial light in our homes even, you guys. I didn't know this until recently. And so it tells our bodies it's a different time than it is. It kind of messes with our hormones, as we were saying earlier. So think about the light you have in your home and even consider uh, using a little less of it at night, especially avoiding, of course, compact fluorescent or fluorescent light bulbs, but even incandescent. Um, you might want to consider a gentler light bulb. Um, red light is much more easy for the body to um, assimilate, if you will, because it's not just our eyes but our skin that takes it in, right? And red light doesn't have the harmful blue which disrupts our natural body's balance. So think about that. It's maybe even in the baby's room if you just wanted to start with that. It kind of adds a nice little natural glow. I mean, think about how people in the old days didn't even have electricity, right? So they used candles, and candles naturally don't have blue light. So this is something to think about. So not just what goes in your body, the food, but also the light around you. I would also say get outside more. And of course, that's what all kids want to do is go out and play. Well, no, sometimes they're distracted by screens as well. So get them away from the screens and get them out in the sun. So that's number two. Think about the light in your house. Number two is get out in that sunlight. And number three is inform yourself about a vaccinations. Um, I know that's probably a super controversial topic. And notice I'm not saying don't vaccinate. And I'm also not saying do vaccinate, I'm saying inform yourself because it's definitely something that goes into your kid's body and it goes very directly into their bloodstream. And it does have benefits, but it also has risks. And I've done some podcasts on that as well. But I really think the best thing you can do is inform yourself. So you go in doing the best you can with the knowledge that will equip you to do the best you can by your family. Oh, that's great. I, I, and you know what? Just informing yourself in general about as much as you can, just the way that you prepared for conception, the way you prepared for pregnancy, the way you prepared for your baby's nursery, you know, taking taking that information in and really considering all of your options is is so important. Thank you for touching on that. Well, I really hope to stay connected with your listeners because I want to hear more stories. This kind of got me thinking about when all my babies were born. You know, if you had a natural childbirth at home, if you, you know, had to change or switch gears right in the middle, like I was saying about my friend, and it happens, you know, I really want to hear. So you guys can find me. I'm on Instagram at Holistic Hilda, and I also have a website, HolisticHilda.com. So go there for just little health tips. And don't forget, I'm the host of the Wise Traditions podcast if you want more stuff along these ancestral health lines. That is perfect, Hilda. Thank you so much. You did such a great job of, of really giving an introduction to kind of all the little facets that go into the the wise traditions kind of way of life. And so I'm sure that there are going to be tons of listeners that will be super interested in checking out your information. So thank you so much again for coming on the show, Hilda. Oh my gosh, Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. 
Oh man, guys, wasn't that an amazing episode? I am so grateful that Hilda was able to come on and share so much information with us. I don't know if you can tell by now, but I really, really love the Weston A. Price Foundation and think that they are just so full of knowledge. So it was incredible to have Hilda. Let's go ahead and do our episode roundup. I think this one's pretty fun. So the first one is don't should on yourself, as Hilda said. Um, You know, we don't know what we don't know, and we're all in a learning process. That's what this life is for. And as we as we grow, we're learning more and more information. So, you know, things that I did last year, maybe I wouldn't do this year. And we're just on a continual process. So be kind to yourself and just go forward from whatever space you're in. Number two, take out that which isn't serving you and bring in that which does. So Hilda mentioned the detoxing of so many different things, you know, detoxing of the dieting mentality, detoxing of the things that you might be putting on your skin or exposing yourself and then bringing in the things which do serve you. So nutrient dense foods and love and support, all of those things are so incredible when trying to conceive a child, when pregnant, when you've got crazy toddlers running around. Such an important message. Number three, let your kids be kids. Get them outside, expose them to their climate, and let them play. The last one and the one that I felt like was speaking to me and just so important is whatever decisions you make for your child surrounding food, surrounding screens, even vaccinations, give yourself the empowerment of looking into these topics. Don't let them be too taboo for you. There are so many touchy topics. Whatever decisions you decide to make, feel confident in them by being informed. So I really love that Hilda went into so much detail on so many different topics. This episode was so much fun for me to record. I hope that you loved it. I can't wait to hear your feedback and I look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.